And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The growing misuse of the word champions for competitions that don't warrant it. An international manager appointment that just feels so right. Steve McManaman's 11-year obsession with a footballing unit of measurement. The Rolls-Royce commentary craze goes global. What constitutes a defender doing just enough? Some great Serie A swearing. Hollywood passes. Hearts on sleeves. Sheffield Wednesday versus ABBA and Keys and Grey stamp their identity all over a Wembley trophy lift. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 236 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, how are you? I'm alright. And David Walker, how are things? Yeah, very good. Dave, another... Lovely entry into our Things Overheard at Sunday League <laughs> series. This is wonderful. Frankie Spires has written in. It says, A lad I play Sunday football with has just described the worst player on the team as stealing a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't steal something that's... that's Well, it's not even free, is it? But presumably he's paying. He's paying, pay. yeah. Yeah. I like it. Charlie, I think it's got I think it's got great poise to it. Now, delivered with a wink, you'd imagine as well. Yeah, I guess as well though. It could be if it's one of those teams where you know you have to play people or you have to give people a certain amount of minutes. You are mm. stealing the minutes of other people who might be enjoying that hobby more or mm. could be contributing more. You know, they're, they're still valuable minutes potentially, or and it depends how desperate they are for players. Stealing a hobby, I can't. I just can't imagine it being uttered sincerely and with venom. But if it was, arguably even better. Meanwhile. Questions we surely cannot adequately answer, yet are still very welcome on the Football Clichés pod, Charlie. Um, Sam writes in and says, what's the most cat-on-the-pitch fixture possible? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should have an answer for this. Goodison feels you, most catty. Do you think? Oh, my, I mean, I think it's more stage of a... Se- I'm imagining like April down at Bournemouth or something. I don't know why. That's just what came coastal. to head. It came to my head. Yeah, I don't know why I thought coastal or, or more southern than northern. More hospitable climate down there for cats. <laughs> wow. Dave, I, I was my logic was that, you know, it's hemmed in by old-fashioned houses. Yeah, yeah, you're less likely to, to, to find cats in um, these out-of-town bowls yeah. <laughs> on a retail park somewhere. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. Unless it's a... Unless, of course, it's next to a Pets at Home. Like a big old pets at home. Uh, do but they, then they don't cats? sell cats, do they? I was going to say, that's not where you go to get a cat, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you might bring big, your cat big to cat let man it choose the food. 
<laughs> Think it through, Dave. <laughs> you never know. There might be a cat at the Medeski at some point. Anyway. That's a great question, though. I wonder what pro- what prompted that. He was he was replying to one of those viral videos of a cat. Incidentally, at Goodison Park, uh, it turned out, but um, from a very long time ago. Misleading. Not topical. So let's kick off the adjudication panel proper with this very pressing matter. Sky were doing it, Dave. The BBC were doing it, Charlie. I saw respected football correspondents indulging in this. Manchester United, Carabao Cup champions. Ooh. It's disgusting. Do you, the only theory I could come up with, Charlie, given how widespread usage this was, all within a concentrated few minutes, was that I like Carabao themselves insisting on this. You could kind of imagine that they would. Champions is better than winners. It, I was going to say, it wasn't an elegant variation thing. It wasn't that they'd use winners. No, it's been used in graphics it's, and all sorts. Right, so it's, it's the first mention. Disgusting. Ca- Carabao Cup champions. It's wrong. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I, I think... It shouldn't be anything really but the league because you talk about the champions. Mm. The champions means, you know, they and they host the champions or whatever it is. That's talking about the league winners. Even champions, you know, Champions League champions sounds weird. Not just yeah, because does. of the repetition. Yeah. It's, a, it's a cup competition. It should only be I would be accept leagues. European champions. I, I, yeah, and international football, accept yeah. that. At, no, yeah. I, I would grudgingly accept it at club level. I think if you win the Champions League, right. you deserve to be called European champions. I think that's okay. I suppose, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I reject it for cup competitions, Dave, certainly at domestic level. But um, but it is quite nice that we still we still think of it as winners and holders, as if, as if they've won that physical trophy rather than the competition itself. I think that's important, that the, the, the cup itself is still front and centre of the competition, even though it isn't in the League Cup because no one could draw it if, they, if you asked them to. So, well, uh, one, of the, one of the lads in the office today was actually having a bit of a pop at the trophy itself. Saying that it looked, it looked three handles looked rubbish. But I was like, "What do you mean? It's the famous three-handled mm. trophy." I think it's a good one. I don't think I could draw it if you asked me to. Yeah, I don't mind it. I, I think it is quite nice. Yeah, it, it's a standard football trophy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I don't know if it's just because I always it's always been the sort of third most important trophy in England. But it does sort of look. It's less like memorable that. than the Community Shield. Community Shield is more iconic than the League Cup trophy. Yeah, but in a slightly novelty way, I think. Yeah, fine. The Community Shield. It's also because it's massive as well. I saw something else that I thought was just so such a staple of this sort of thing was Ten Hag. Uh, the headline was, you know, Ten Hag says this is just the start or something. Mm. And I just would love the idea of a manager saying, no, I'm, I think this is it, really. I think, <laughs> I think I'm done. Carabao Cup. Well, we like, peaked. Yeah, absolutely to be honest, peaked. I really don't think this is the start. I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what else is he going to say? And about a trophy that's clearly not, you'd hope, like the height of their ambitions. It's it, interesting, actually, because... I swear the the whole this is just the start thing can be traced back directly to Mourinho winning it mm-hmm. in 2005, ah, Dave. I, I don't th- I'm pretty sure this wasn't a concept before then. I mean, obviously, other things have to align. It has to be a new manager in charge of a big club winning his first trophy. But I'm sure Mourinho was the real kickoff moment for this is just the start. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. I was, what, five at the time. But in 1990, when... Fergie won the FA Cup with Man United. It's looked at historically as the big, this, this was just the, the turning start. point, the start. But I, I don't even know if back then that would have been necessarily the the sort of way it was looked at. Would they wouldn't have prophesized the sort of dynasty that he would go on to build? Uh, it's definitely Mourinho thing, 100, 100%, I think. Well, well, I guess that, though, as well, particularly, he was almost talking about that same season, wasn't he? And and that is almost unique to the League Cup because it's so early. There's still a lot still to play for. Yeah, um, I can sort of imagine Gary Newbon asking 
Fergie back in 1990, where this mm. is just the start. Could happen. Uh, anyway, this is this just feels so perfect. Certainly, the first just feels right national manager appointment we've seen, Charlie. I know, I know what this is going to be. Jurgen Klinsmann to South yes. Korea. <laughs> I saw this and thought, oh my god, why does it feel so right? Because uh, he's in that space. He's in that international management space now, isn't he? He's a very international um, man, isn't he? Yeah. And he's just yeah, he's so, everything about him is so international and kind of. The slight, yeah, obviously because he's worked there, the American sort of twang to his voice. I mean, you've said before that he's very tennis, which is just so spot on. And I think a big part of that is because he's got the sort of uh, landless or nationless sort of Central European American yeah. accent that would that makes him quite hard to place if you yeah, didn't know already. Quite an accessible man in that respect. But um, Dave, do we think he might be the um, first manager ever to be hired by a team he once scored two goals against at a World Cup? <laughs> Very good. Very nice. that's what it yeah. was? I think it works nicely because I think South Korea's most famous World Cup moment was with Goose Hitting in charge. Mm. Mm. It's a European success. Well, a European manager. Clinton's not a successful European manager by no. any stretch, but um, it does. It does work. It's and it's 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 sort of him admitting that sort of relaxing into the manage the international managerial merry go round. I think. I think it's a. Pl- I think it's an unexpectedly plum job as well, Charlie. I mean, that they they are way out of the era of, of just hiring anybody to get them out. You know, make a name for them. They are an established mm. international team. They probably should be setting the sights higher, if anything. Well, they, yeah. Their last manager was Paolo Bento, wasn't it? So, I mean, again, you mentioned Gus Hiddink, Dave. They've got, they do have pedigree with um, with these sort of European managers. I think you're right, Adam. Though we need to find out what's the opinion on the uh, you know the streets of Seoul. I, I mean, I, I don't was, think they should be particularly happy. Charlie I was there last connected, summer. I have to yeah, say, yeah. I need to. Oh yeah, we need to get our up. get our man, get yeah, our yeah. Leeds days men yeah. back. I mean, Leeds days clearly for South Korea would be the 2002 World Cup from a footballing perspective. I can tell you that um, at least a couple of German fans responded to the tweet from the uh, South Korean FA um, with uh, Korean translations of we're sorry. So th- th- it's not off to a good start. Yeah, I, I, I see him lasting, Charlie, about three or four months. I think he's got Uruguay and Colombia coming up <laughs> in his first two games, which Oof. sound eminently losable to me. Yeah, is he going to be there at the next World Cup 2026? It's a long time. Not a chance. That, that's, it's a long old cycle, isn't it? Underwhelming Asia Cup campaign in Qatar in early 2024 will, will seal his fate, I suspect, and he'll be out out of the job. He's actually had, you mentioned David him getting on the merry-go-round, but he's had a very un-merry-go-roundy career. He's only had five managerial jobs. I would have thought he'd have had a lot more than that. But he's only done, he did Germany, Bayern Munich, US, Hertha Berlin, now South Korea. Do you think his English football ship has sailed, Charlie? I mean, the Spurs job might have been his in like 2003 six or something absurd for a bit yeah I think post that World Cup his stock was pretty high I mean like when he got the buying job yeah I think mm. he could have done then when like Wande Ramos got it could have been a homecoming you know the prodigal son returns I see him more these days as the only way he could get into English football is if he was somehow attached to some sort of consortium and he was brought on board as like a consultant or Sven Notts County situation yeah yeah South End. If South End get back on their feet, Jürgen Klinsmann, you can see it, <laughs> holding a flag up, ending up in When Saturday Comes magazine three years later on what a shit show it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all perfect. Um, sorry, Jürgen, we've mapped out the rest of your career in the space of about three minutes. Next up, <laughs> Paul Williams got in touch during the Liverpool versus Real Madrid Champions League tie last week. and says, Steve McManaman just said, ounce of space, please have a word. And this was a lovely finish, wasn't it? 
Benzema isn't stepping up, it's Vinicius Junior. Just turns in the box, gets an ounce of space at the side of Joe Gomez. Not closed down, quick enough, and whips it into that far corner. Now, Charlie, what's your favoured unit of measurement for a player exploiting a tiny amount of space on a football pitch for their own attacking purposes? Oh, I sorry, I just had oceans of space in my head. He's only got a yard to work with. Would probably be. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Straightforward. Yeah, half yards so. really that's what we want ounce of space feels strange doesn't it Dave it does but don't know if that rules it out from working we do know what he means yeah I mean he because it does sound almost like he's going to say yard and then I'm not sure if he forgets or just thinks so you know what I'll it's too, a little bit playful it's, with it's, this he needs a, he does, I think he knows that he needs something smaller than a yard shorter than a yard because and half a yard because you are really talking even smaller than that the ball just just sort of Sneaks mm. over Gomez's foot and into the into the far corner. In his defence, I mean, an ounce has become such a vague concept now. We don't really use it. We don't need it in its literal sense anymore. So it it, it can be used for sort of little things. But I mean, Dave saying that you know we know what he means, of course, and we should do by now because he's got a track record of this. June two thousand and seventeen, the Champions League final, Benzema not being given an ounce of space by the Juventus defence. June two thousand and sixteen, France versus Romania, player and defence unidentified at this point. May twenty sixteen, Liverpool versus Sevilla. April 2016, Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona, with an added bonus, Charlie, of a mountain of time. Wow. Which we cannot be having. A mountain of time. Wow, there you go. I mean, he's it clearly works for him. I don't see it catching on. 2012, Man City versus Swansea. (laughs) It hasn't caught on, but good luck to him. Yeah, good luck to him. Right, very much enjoyed this from Adrian Collins, who was uh, watching on uh, DAZN, uh, Liverpool versus Newcastle last weekend, uh, with the Spanish commentary, just as the camera cut to Bruno Guimaraes in the stands. Y piden ahí una firmita en la camiseta, claro que sí, ahí está Bruno, el amigo de todos, idolatrado en St. James's Park. Bruno Rolls-Royce, Guimaraes. Rolls-Royce, now a global <laughs> concept, Dave. Isn't it wonderful? But not only that, calling him Bruno Rolls-Royce Gimmerish. Mm. It's like, like he's a boxer or something. <laughs> does he does he count as a Rolls-Royce, Charlie? I think he probably does now, doesn't he? Yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know. I mean, I he's, he's, not the ki- for you. he's not the kind of player that comes to mind necessarily when I think of a Rolls-Royce. But No, I yeah. don't think he is. I think, Too flashy. I think Newcastle will find a Rolls-Royce to go alongside him in the next few transfer windows. Hmm. Um, he's just, yeah, he's a little bit too, yeah, he doesn't stride around. He's, he's a bit, yeah, I mean, he's, he's brilliant, obviously. Not enough but of a unit either. I mean, I know I, this, this is the drum yeah. I bang. <laughs> he's classy, I think, but he's nah, he's not quite Rolls-Royce-y enough for yeah. me. I think he got out Rolls-Royced by Casemiro at Wembley too, which which eats away mm, his Rolls-Royce yes. credentials. Excellent, though. Good to see that it's uh, traversing the planet. Now, Brian McAleese writes in and says, um, When a commentator describes a defender, Charlie, as having done just enough to put off the striker, am I being encouraged to infer tacit criticism for the lack of effort on the defender's part or admiration for their efficiency? Um, what, oh. what, what do you interpret doing just enough to mean? I think the latter... Defender's done just enough because also you're doing just enough to not foul him. So it's it's getting the balance right by you've done enough to ease him sort of out of the way, put him off his stride, but not either not fouled him or not made it obvious enough for it to be given as a foul. So I think it's quite cute defending. Yeah, there okay. were a couple of good examples of this in the in the League Cup final yesterday. With um, one was Martinez against Dan Byrne, I think, and one was Luke Shaw against possibly Botman. 
and n- neither of Frazier's Fenbok. Indeed, indeed, and they yeah they were both just they didn't even attempt to really to try and head the ball. They just just got they were yeah, just there, touch tight. They were just making themselves, you know, a bit of a nuisance in that scenario. Yeah, okay. I, I'm won over by the fact that it, it, it isn't sort of um, some sort of caveated criticism of the defender for not being there in the first place to do his job properly. That's okay. Can I but, can I interject here though? I think mm-hmm. to, to take it down to Sunday League level, this is one where sometimes you it can retrospectively be applied as a compliment when you actually haven't done anything. Loads of times, and I'm you know I'm not a short centre half. I'll have like not really. I've just not got the header. I've lost the header, but I've mm. gone well done. You've done just enough there. <laughs> done enough. I didn't. I yeah. didn't do just enough I didn't but I was just next to him at the time <laughs> well this is it I mean, that, I mean that is the cornerstone of doing just enough is basically being right next to the person who's trying to score but but yeah so there are two just enough scenarios Charlie in my head these are the these are the poster boys of the doing just enough situation number one striker shooting from a relatively acute angle like you suggested earlier, not wanting to make a proper tackle in case you foul them so essentially sort of leaning in essentially barging mm. them over but doing it in such a way that you've timed it so it can't possibly be a foul. And uh, so it's a, 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 quite a Luke shaw thing to do, actually, kind of sort of just sticking in a shoulder in your upper torso, getting them off balance as they shoot, and that is doing just enough part one. Yeah. So not tackling with your feet whatsoever, but still being within the laws, I think is um, that's part one of doing just enough. Second part, and again, I, I completely sympathise with Dave here because as a as a terrible man marker at set pieces at Sunday League, I, I just found it, I found it one, quite annoying to do the running and two, annoying to have to run round other players to chase someone because it was just, it was just a very frustrating thing to do. So ultimately it became just, just getting in their way and stopping them getting for the header. And if in the result that they do go for the header, Charlie, it was just jumping enough to just get them off balance. It's yeah. similar, it's like the same situation, but in the air, again, doing just enough, but never winning the header. Yeah, I think of it. I think of it the win, the header thing. I think often from a corner, someone goes up, and if the attacker doesn't get a clean contact and heads it wide or something, you say, and the defender's just done enough to put him off. That's that's what first comes to mind for me with it. Can't do just enough in an attacking um, context, can you, Dave? It literally doesn't exist, does it? No, no, that's just enough. I mean, you can you can get just enough of a foot on it. And he, he just gets enough of a touch to see it yeah. over the line. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in a scrambly situation, it but could it's not, happen, it's, but it's not a staple in the same way. No, I wouldn't. Not like the same it. spirit, is it? Definitely not. Definitely not. Right. Been a while, um, Dave, since we've had a commentator apologising for swearing. Almost like mm. we'd had sort of a post-pandemic moratorium and all this sort of nonsense. But Luke Mason writes in says lovely stuff on Saturday evening in our Napoli supporting household during the Empoli versus Napoli match. As BT Sport commentator Ben Andrews apologised for Luciano Spalletti audibly swearing in Italian. Let's hear it. The switch is on. And the switch has been delivered. Varatskelia offside. You look at the line. You see the line, cazzo. Fantastic. Apologies if you could translate one of the words that Luciano Spalletti has just screamed in the direction of Cavaradonna, as the fans call him. The gist of it was, uh, look along the line, why were you offside? And a little more besides. Wonderful sort of just throwaway, sort of expletive at the end there, Dave. Do you know what cazzo means? No, I mean, I could hazard a guess at a couple, but 
Is it the worst one? Not quite, but you, uh. you, you're in the right ballpark because it turns out it's quite a versatile term. I got in touch with uh, the Athletics' James Horncastle uh, purely uh, for this purpose. He says, Catso, uh, the polite translation is idiot, but it basically just means generic, any sort of expletive you shout out loud for general frustration or essentially fuck's sake right. is what it can be used for. Okay. Um, this is good. It shows the it shows the benefits. So clearly, the commentator knows his Italian. Yeah. Because that, that isn't a given. No. A lot of the commentators who co- find themselves commentating on Serie A would not necessarily know a word of the language. Spalletti obviously a fan of this because uh, Charlie, after the game, he said his players had facce de cazzo, which means faces you don't fuck with. Imagine Graham Potter coming out with that <laughs> when Chelsea finally win, <laughs> showing that he does get angry. <laughs> Um, I also like the offside that the commentator gave there. Very uh, interesting intonation, but yeah. I but I, I think it worked. What I like it. about it is that that is an absolute classic sort of thing that you'd hear shouted from the stands by a frustrated fan. Almost look, too look simple, the line. too sake. simple an obstruction for 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 a manager, and and yeah. it's just as frustrating. Yeah, it's good. For once, though, a commentator apology for swearing that really actually rather did pay off because uh, Luke Mason continues, Charlie. The joke was on me though when I laughingly told my wife what had happened. My daughter immediately and gleefully said the offending Italian swear word. Apology accepted, Ben. <laughs> so there are the youth out there mm. being poisoned by the uh, poisonous words of Italian football managers on the touchline. Ah, but that's fine, isn't it? No, none of our mates at school will know what it means. The teachers won't either, so fill your boots. It's a good poise to that swear word. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Welcome back to the adjudication panel. And uh, funnily enough, we do have... um, some post-half-time correspondence from Sean, who says a pub chat we were having at half-time during the Liverpool versus Real Madrid game. What's the most common line for commentators to say after a hectic first half as they sign off? Maybe hmm. we'll let you catch your breath or similar, but there are loads of options. Um, Charlie, I was trying to, trying to approximate all of this in my head, and I guess the first thing that they always do is it, there's always a reference to kind of pausing for thought, either for you or them or people in the studio or the two managers as they walk off, plenty for them to think about, something Oof. like that. Yeah. Plenty for those two to think about. Yeah, I wonder if it's too... I was talking about this early in the season. I wonder if it's too early for a pick-the-bones out of that. Mm. That might... That might be an end of game thing. Could you do that half time? Well, maybe you could. You say like pl- you could say like plenty for them to pick the bones out of in the studio or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have a clear answer this day, but I'm delighted that people are asking this sort of stuff, testing us, and I'm mm. glad that people are having these conversations in pubs. Pub conversations about football are on the up. If this is where they're going, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There wouldn't be any reference to like sticking the kettle on. It, it is. It is eighty percent things for someone to think about at half time isn't it um john hogan really good question again not something i really considered before but i think this might be quite an easy one for us charlie he says is it my imagination or do commentators and coaches and players use upfield and downfield to describe a kick towards the opposition half interchangeably are they interchangeable i don't i'm not sure that they are are they charlie he's moved the ball they've moved the ball upfield you could use either i think to talk about moving forward i don't know if they're interchangeable but I don't think either are wrong. If you heard a, you know, they've, they've, they've just moved the ball cleverly upfield, they've worked the ball well downfield. I think both do mean moving towards the, the opponent's goal. My theory is this, Dave. Upfield is, is more about clearing the ball, getting it out of danger, and it just happens to be in the direction that you're playing. So getting it up the field, out of harm's way. Downfield. I'm not. I'm not convinced. I've disagreed with myself halfway through here. Are they interchangeable? But I swear they mean different things. But what I'm trying to find is the nuance here. Does one mean something slightly different than the other? Really, on a really basic level, does one mean more the ball up in the air? Up when you. If I heard upfield, would I think that's more sort of lofted ball and downfield? You work the ball downfield is more sort of passing triangles. I think we I think we're on the right track here. Upfield is a more of a is a more constructive thing. You can clear the ball upfield and you can also work the ball upfield and you can carry the ball upfield as well. That is more of a kind of attacking strategy situation. Downfield I would say is more aimless. Yeah, well up is more in the air, but I'm just going on the up element of it being quite literal. Cleared it downfield. Cleared it downfield. Cle- right. What okay, let's 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 get some nuts and bolts of this. Charlie, what would be the most common scenario in which you would say the word downfield? Me personally, cleared it downfield. That's I, mm, how else would you say? Yeah, it? I don't know. I think they've worked <laughs> the ball cleverly downfield. I can sort of imagine that's a like pass into a midfielder and he's then fizz one out wide or something. So they've moved. I don't think downfield. down. Down is weird because you'd never like even when you're talking about defence pushing up. 
you would never say defence pushed downfield. Downfield is definitely less common than upfield. Don't yeah. You? No question about that. Um, we're so close. Guys, we're so close. Mm, we are so close now, guys. Because I, I, I don't want another cometh the hour gate. <laughs> well, I, I, think think... Da- I think we're fully in no, there. No, no, I think this is it. healthy debate. We're getting there. We're getting closer than anybody else has in the history of time. Think about that. Downfield. Cleared it downfield. Cleared but it I don't, downfield. But I don't think it could be like that because there's no consensus. Mm. I think this is... Interested to hear what our listeners think. We mm. will revisit this. I want to hear some theories about upfield and downfield. Thank you, John Hogan. <laughs> Next up, Scott says, Dave, while watching Coventry, a man in front of me called on a player to stop trying Hollywood passes. Mm. What constitutes a Hollywood pass? In this case, it was an attempted switch of play. That is the only type of Hollywood pass, isn't it? Kind of booming crossfield passes when it isn't necessarily the right option. I think there has to be an angle. It has to travel uh, yes. a significant distance. I think, the, I think the deeper the player making the Hollywood pass is in their own half, the better. Yeah because that would suggest there are other easier options available to them, but they've decided to go for the Hollywood pass. I mean, it's it's something to, to me brings Stephen Gerrard to it's, mind. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's absolutely... It Ger- Gerrard under Rafa Benitez, you know, he Benitez wanted him to keep it simple when he keeps trying these Hollywood passes. And, and invariably, we talk about them when they don't come off, because they are... there. You don't talk about a really good pass, I don't think, in quite the same way, because they, they frustrate you. Stop trying these Hollywood passes. Yeah. I don't think you'd be saying that if someone's just successfully hundred out ball. You'd never hear a commentator say something like, and there's Gerard with a Hollywood pass. Yeah, mm, with, a, it's, with a lovely it's, Hollywood pass. It's, yeah, yeah, there's a I, disdain I guess, about it. Yeah, yeah, there's a skepticism about Hollywood, isn't it? Because it, it's plastic and artificial and a bit sort of, <laughs> I don't know... It's showing Pretentious. Off. Pretentious. Yeah. Pretentious. That, yeah. That's what a Hollywood pass is. We don't like that. Uh, it's a very much a horizontal thing, isn't it, Charlie, though? You can't have an upfield or downfield no, Hollywood no, pass. No, it's neither downfield it? nor downfield, no. It's not a straight downfield or upfield, but there's an element of upfield and downfield to it. Yeah, yeah, because if it was if it was purely horizontal, it, that would be like a... Quite a conservative That pass. would be the sort of thing that gets a nice round of applause yeah. from the fans because you've just sort of neatly switched it to the other fullback first time or something. That's not Hollywood. Hollywood is trying to... If you're deep in your own half and you're trying to hit the opposite winger or forward high in the other half, for personally, I think I just meant not upfield. Yeah, not you mean just not not just like a dead straight ball upfield. Not, not vertical. Yeah, not vertical. Not vertical. It doesn't have to be dead horizontally, but right. no, that's fine. Okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely right. But but uh, however, I, I bring to you uh, an example that might contradict that. It was. Virgil van Dijk's famed pass against Bayern Munich mm, for Sadio mm. Mane in the Champions League where he had that perfect angle behind yeah. it. That was a vertical pass. There was a little bit of a curve on the ball, but it was still very vertical. But it, and but it was completed and yeah, it led to a goal. Mm, yeah. I, I don't think if it hadn't been completed and, and, and the attack had broken down, I don't think you would have called it a Hollywood ball. No, you really wouldn't. Don't. And I tell you, and I, I think that's where the virtual comes in because if it was, you'd just be like, oh, what are they knocking it long aimlessly? It's yeah. not necessarily obvious what they're trying to do. Whereas the Hollywood pass, there is a, you can always see what they're trying, but the execution. Yeah. Can be can be off. Absolutely right. Too much ambition, if anything. Now, <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd never thought about this either. Charlie Gareth Thomas writes in says, saw someone refer to a person having their heart on their sleeve by patting where the captain's armband would go, which genuinely made me stop in my tracks. I'd always imagine the heart on the sleeve being the wrist, specifically where the watch would go, which is correct. <laughs> wow! What a crisis I've been plunged into. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I've never. Where's yeah. It's on your, it's on your, it's on your sleeve of the captain's armband on the outside. Yeah. That's what it surely traditionally uh, was meant to mean. 
Not on your wrist. Not on the inside. Not where you'd have it tattooed. No, that no, that that is weirder. I just thought I'd never actually thought about it. But yeah, it, it can't be that. That feels really odd. Yeah. And it if actually be, we have watches, on the, because your watch is there. It's already <laughs> take, that space is taken. Hearts predate watches, though, don't they? So, <laughs> um, actually, to, to extend the tattoo kind of logic, Dave, if anything, the classic heart tattoo is on the outside of your... It's on your yeah. tricep, isn't it? It's, it's on yeah on your yeah, yeah absolutely high exactly. up on your on your arm An arrow going through it or something like that. that's the heart on yeah. your sleeve he wears his heart on his sleeve yeah definitely it's not going to be the inside not like some sort of weird little scientific kind of little transponder thing that you talk into on Star Trek or something yeah yeah like rubbish yeah Gareth talking rubbish then you've got the pulse it's where you feel for the pulse on the Ooh, wrist don't you? there is the pulse aspect <laughs> there is that right now Newcastle may have fallen at the final hurdle of the Carabao Cup Charlie but they've very much announced their place at the top table of English football this season. And Rijkaard writes in and says, with Newcastle's ascendancy, there's been talk of a big seven. Is it acceptable to have over a third of the league in the big X? If so, what is the upper and lower bound for the big X? I would I, Let's kick off with the fact that a big seven is, is too big, isn't it? Is it? Mm. I think it is. You need, you need the right amount of teams to be able, everyone to be in contention for the various things they're playing for. And seven is essentially too many. So I don't like it. I think it just feels a bit not, like unselective. You want, it, you want this to feel like a kind of exclusive club. And when more than a third of a grouping is part of this exclusive club. I don't know, at that point, I think, you know, if, it were a, if they were a group of friends, there'd be sub WhatsApp groups with seven. That's just too many. You know, I, I don't think the, the big seven quite works. I mean, brief history of this sort of thing, Dave. There used to be a big five back in the eighties, of course, which a lot of people don't know about. So it's been Arsenal, Spurs, United, Everton, uh, Everton, Liverpool. I think, yeah, not Villa because because Man, Man City, Chelsea were weren't anywhere. Villa had like they obviously won, Villa the, won the league early Cup, in the 80s, and they won the league, right? but then like a lot of teams, Sunny Forest, Ipswich came close. It was, but those were the big established. Mm. Powers, Beasts. I think. Yeah, yeah. And and then and then it went backwards. Charlie it became the big four. Mm-hmm. I don't think we had big three and big two back in the sort of. Can't have a big two. There wasn't a big two. You can't have. A, well, you can have a big two because Rangers and Celtic are the big two. I mean, they're not uh, known as it, but you could use it. I suppose. The yeah. They, in tennis, well, the big are, four became yeah. the big three. Became the big two. There you go. Um, so it can it can contract. The top two. Big four became big six in the Premier League, Charlie, of course. And and that really has to be the limit for it, doesn't it? I th- yeah, I think so. Anything bigger than six feels a bit weird. I mean, it's interesting with that big four to big six, there was no big five. I mean, City and Spurs joined it kind of simultaneously, didn't they? Um, there was there was sort of mention of, 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 I don't know if it was ever, ever officially confirmed, but you would hear it talked about. People would say, I mean, have we got a big five now? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. in in talking about these sort of newcomers to the scene, as it were, uh, well, who would have been the big three? Would that have been in the same breath? Would that be United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Chelsea? Yeah, I don't think Chelsea were ever in the big three, were they? Don't they? Maybe we didn't have a big three. There wasn't one, but if there because Liverpool was... sort of finished second, didn't they, one year? But that wasn't enough to. I don't think we ever had a big three. We, we did. Convinced but... there was never a big three. No, we I didn't. Think... But there was no. a period where United won it in 2003, Arsenal won it in 2004, Chelsea won it in 2005. So at that point, because Liverpool and Liverpool were nowhere in those seasons, so you could they have won talked, the Champions League, didn't they? They so. did win the Champions League, but mm. in, in a league sense, they were. Yeah, you know, they came fifth that season behind Everton. So you could have had it then, but it never was because Chelsea were consistent. Uh, Liverpool were consistently 
enough getting top four. So hmm. big four remain. But the thing about the big four, which fits nicely, was that it's just there was four champ. You know, the four Champions yeah, League exactly, places. Yeah. Exactly, they're the yeah. big four teams. Now, obviously, teams can be big regardless of whether they're in or out of the Champions League. But the problem, it sort of doesn't sit well with me that the seventh team of the big seven would only be in what would they even have just it's the european places. places really so yeah. it could still work yeah, although you'd be in the conference wouldn't you if, the i mean but cup, Dave, it's cup winners change. would change that but but it, it's yeah, going to change because previously six into four now it's going to be seven into five because there'll yeah. be that extra champions league spot so maybe <sighs> yeah. that's true maybe, maybe it does work everything about newcastle is geared towards being a big seven club <laughs> if you think about it um, maybe we should go with the magnificent seven it's a famous uh, Western film. Mm. Accidental Keezy there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Forgettable Western. Finally on the adjudication panel this week, this comes from Joe Horsey. He says, this has been playing on my mind for months, a promising start. He says, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan and we have a new chant this season involving Akin Famwo, Rhys James and Josh Windas to the tune of Abba's Voulez Vous. Let's uh, refresh our memories of what that sounds like. Yeah, absolute tune, of course. Um, Joe Horsey continues, somewhere between conception and blokes actually yelling this, the tune has completely changed from the original and it's slightly blown my mind how an entire fan base can collectively decide to change such a well-known song. I've attached two recordings, says Joe. The first is me chanting what it should be, as if it was faithful to the ABBA song, hopefully with the necessary level of commitment. Yeah. Charlie, on the on the um, commitment spectrum scale of merit, I would give that a seven point five because whilst he has committed to it in many ways and the clapping also helps he's done that thing where he kind of whispers in order to simulate many people sh- many people singing <laughs> yeah. at the same time which is a ki- it's a common error isn't it yeah it's a error I, I think he just gets you off the hook a bit doesn't it just do it yourself yeah yeah but but he's certainly he's given it a decent go mm. yeah he had a, there's a big note to hold in the middle there and he and he pulled it off Dave, what is the what is the impulse that people do when they're doing football chants to to simulate like thousands of people doing? <laughs> <as well? laughs> I know. Because <laughs> it kind of works. I get it. Yeah, you're sort of the re- simulating the sort of choral reverb, yeah. I suppose. But um, just do it as if you were in the stands. Yeah, just do it yourself. Um, only only a select few have the uh, have the minerals for it, but that's fine. Anyway, back to the core issue. Um, Charlie, very faithful to the original that, wasn't it? Mm. And pr- presumably as intended. Pretty happy with that? Yeah, I'm really mm. curious because I love this sort of thread of mm. chants going weird. And like there are some that annoy me quite a lot, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, I look forward to talking about it then because here's the second clip from Joe Horsey. This is what Wednesday fans actually sing. Oh. Wow. It's almost like, is this the harmony? What is it? Yeah, we should put the two together, actually, because it's like they're, they're going down. They're really going down right. on goes, the notes. When's this going to win the league? Which is a different chart. It starts off all right. 
Because the, the, the Apple one is, it's at the back, and they're saying, at the back. Da, 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 da. And they're singing. Because that's a bit of, it's a bit of ole, ole, ole coming in. Yeah, I was going to say, it? I think they do that because of other chants. And they're, they're just more familiar with that, of the sort of ending like that than the going higher. There's probably yeah. some, probably someone will be listening to this who's some sort of musical nerd will be able to tell us, oh, they're doing the minor and they're doing the major mm. and they're doing the well, scale and the whole thing. Joe Horsey comes in with some jargon, Dave. He says, technically, I believe the original ABBA melody ends on an imperfect cadence, whereas the Wednesday chant ends on a perfect cadence. Happy to, right. be, happy to be corrected on this, though. Not by me, because I've got a fucking clue what that means. <laughs> but, um, someone will know. Uh, someone will definitely know listening to this. But, but, between us, let's try and figure out why this might have happened, Charlie. Why would you depart from the original? Or do you think just a lot of people didn't know the Abertune, which I guess is yeah inconceivable, and then it just moulds into something else? I think that is, I think it is just the, you're not familiar with the tune, and you're more familiar with just previous football tunes, because there's quite a limited mm. canon, isn't there, that are sort of chosen from. And I think that's what's happened. I'm sure I've heard other examples of that, because I'm often left a bit baffled, and it's like, why have you, what a weird tune to go down that's not right. Um, and I'm sure that's why it is. Let's look at it another way, Dave. If I released a song professionally, singing it to the tune of the Sheffield Wednesday fans, do you think I would get away with it legally with ABBA? Would they notice? I think it's far enough removed. I think I'd get away with it. That's no, I don't think, don't think, think you would. No, I don't think you would. <laughs> right. no, no, not at all. There's, there's loads of these examples. Yeah. Like, it's there was like, the this verve, happens, wasn't there? Loads of YouTube videos out there, like, unpicking d- different songs and you know plagiarism sort of cases and stuff it's quite common and i think this will definitely fall foul of that it's definitely quicker though isn't it the tempo's quicker it gets rushed they always do that football yeah. fans always they can't hold correct tempo they just they just don't want to hold a note they just want to get on with it do you think that's for fear of people losing interest and no longer singing along and it moving on to something no, else no i don't think it is i think it's i think it's a fear of slipping out of sync and so you can only go one way. You either go slower or faster to, to match up with the people that you think aren't catching up or whatever. And it ends up being everyone going quicker. That's the only explanation that can be because the, the impulse must be going to quicker because it's enthusiasm, right? <laughs> what detail this This is great. Thanks, Joe. While I've got you both, where do you stand? Well, you've got us both. All right, we're here, mate. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. <laughs> yeah, it's true. While I've got you both and this rare, rare opportunity I have to speak to you too it really annoys me and there's been a move towards this of you know where where would you would you say would you chant you're not fit you're not fit you're not fit to referee or would you sing you're not fit to you're not fit to you're not fit to referee the first one hundred percent you can't leave a two just dangling it really annoys me that this has crept into the game. It's so much better you're not fit. You can sympathise with the rhythm of the second one, but it grammatically, syntactically, it's not for me. You can't leave a two just dangling there. You the can't, widow, what's the point? You don't need to repeat that. I just think it's so much more emphatic the first you're way. It sounds so much fit. better, I think. You're, you're not fit. fit. You're not fit to referee. I, I, yeah. It feels too crammed in doesn't scan as well. And it's it's, uh, it's an epidemic in the game. I wonder if it is a regional thing, or do you think it's just... It just just sporadically know. dotted around people who just think it's you're not fit to. Yeah, I who knows? Think, I think it, and it's not just that chant. There are plenty with that where it's the do you add in the penultimate word or not. Hmm. If you thought, if you thought this was the last piece of over analysis of today's football cliches podcast, you'd be wrong because it's time for keys and grey corner. <laughs> Oh, 
this arrived in front of me with mere minutes to spare before we recorded it. And I was so grateful for it because we didn't have a Keys and Grey Corner before that. And it um, came from Sea Howe, who has, who has rescued Keys and Grey Corner this week. Um, after the dust had begun to settle on Manchester United's Carabao Cup final victory over Newcastle, the players had ventured up those famous steps, or the, well, those rebuilt famous steps, let's put it that way, to uh, claim the trophy, lift it, you know, lift it up, each of them. Now, at this point, Charlie, traditionally, the, the commentators or presenter will be talking over the top of this, just saying, well, yeah, what a season he's had, what a great player he's been, really deserves it, him, after all his injury troubles, just sort of going through mm-hmm. each of them as they lift the trophy. Not Keys and Gray, <laughs> not Keys and Gray and Jason McAteer, for three and a half minutes... <sighs> Uh, as the Manchester United players started lifting the trophy all the way to when they brought the trophy down and then sort of got towards the big podium in the middle of the pitch. All they did was talk about this stuff. This is Keys and Gray bemoaning modern trophy lifts. <laughs> You're not a fan of this presentation, are you, Mr Keys? I Why? He prefers it on the pitch, Jason. Oh, just, you like the pitch. I just pitch. think it's a, it's a mess, Jason. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a mess. <laughs> the climb, the, the amount of steps now, the, the in and out, backstage, front stage. And... Oh, you're right. Did you like the old Wembley tradition? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I even then would say, and I do every time I see a presentation at Wembley, they will eventually now go down to the sponsors. Arranged a stage yeah. on the pitch, but that for me is, is I always give the best example of that. Liverpool and Istanbul, those fabulous pictures of Gerard lifting the trophy in front of the, the fireworks and the confetti or whatever it was that they were setting. Far better, that just. I mean, the yeah. worst one was his, Rotterdam, oh my, Everton. My goodness, that's the worst ever. It was, it was just a, Honestly, a step ladder. It was like a, it was like a, a four by four square. And up a couple of step ladders or something like that. A couple of them party poppers. It was, honestly, it's the worst <laughs> presentation of a major trophy I've ever been involved in in my life. It was embarrassing. Any confetti? Well, uh, probably, but it was just a confetti you get at a wedding. Somebody yeah, was there throwing it with a hand. <laughs> throwing it at you. <laughs> it, was, it was a nightmare. It was poor. I happen to agree with you. I don't like this one. I think it's too long. It's too far. They disappeared. I just... I thought the old one was great. Yeah. It was short. You were up and down. Apart from the seconds. fact everybody on this side is, is, is left wondering what's going on because yeah. they can't see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're inside now. They've got to come back out, yeah. There yeah. we what, in- what an incredible piece of broadcasting, Dave, over the top of a trophy lift for a major <laughs> club in English football. Uh, I know. Normally, the, the protocol would be to hand back to the commentator mm. to do the trophy lift. Just throwing convention out there completely so this was already quite funny and um i love the fact that sort of gray kind of teed keys up at the start charlie saying you don't like this do you, do you richard you're not a fan of this you, i hate it hate, just under his breath hate it hate it mr keys when they first started having a go it i thought hang on a minute like surely you love mm. presentations up in the up on the gantry because that's the famous image yeah. you see from every old Wembley but they did they they had to sort of contort themselves into saying ah well there's too many steps yeah. <laughs> too many steps how good is that the amount of steps was one of Keezy's criteria you're inside you're outside <laughs> I don't know if you're coming or going. I mean, just imagine being a United fan watching that, just being so buzzed that your team just won a trophy. Well, I mean, I mean, the implication there that they've somehow sullied the moment a little bit, which is not not unreasonable because being right, 
with the best of intentions, put this up on their YouTube channel because it's, you know, it's the trophy lift moment. They put it alongside all the other sort of recent sporting events that they've covered. <laughs> they've just got this moment of Manchester United lifted the trophy with Keezy just, just whining over the top of it. That's something completely <laughs> pointless. What, it's what's, so funny. What's so great about it, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, is that it's just, it's such the wrong time like there is a time and a place for exactly that sort of discussion it would have been going on on twitter i'm sure there were other people saying they're like you know this walking up the stairs not for me far better to do it you know that would be a pub conversation or a podcast the idea that that's the sort of yeah that's the main that's the conversation going on on a tv broadcast of a game it's just it's like us talking about you know, you know, us being like, what's up? What's your favourite? Yeah, like, what's your favourite trophy lift? Like, I'm sure we'd all have views, but that's probably not what we want to hear at the time of a trophy lift. You're Some pissing might. on my bonfire. <laughs> thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. You've done just enough today. Thank you. And thanks to you, David Walker. I don't think I did do just enough today, really, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But You leaned in, put us off. That's all you need to do. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. Cheers. The Athletic.